Iron Show. And uh, this is a this is a person that I've listened to. Uh, you know him from Teotihuacan Radio, and uh, you know him from the uh, Teotihuacan Interactive website. And uh, he is a specialist on the end times. Uh, he uh, he became a born again Christian in uh, 1989 when the uh, Berlin Wall fell. And God asked him, "Is this uh, is this natural or is this supernatural?" And uh, and the answer was, it was supernatural. And ever since then, he's been uh, he's been reading his Bible, he's been going to church, he's been studying the end times. He's really he's really one of the experts on the end times. So I would like to give a warm welcome, a big warm Iron Show welcome to our special guest, King, King Solomon. Solomon. Well. Hey, Kitty, before, before we get started, can I ask you a question? Sure. What's up? What's up? Ah, ah. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Ah. Hey, can you give me one, one more what's up? What's up? All right, man, this is an iron show. All right. Yeah, King, uh, you know, uh, let's, let's really get started. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about your new book. Because, uh, you've been, uh, working and we're really hard and studying and coming up with a book, and the book is entitled uh, Ancient Myths and the Bible, uh, and uh, it's a really great book, and what you're doing really in that, in that book is, is telling the church to wake up. We have a, um, we, we believe in a God, and we, uh, we read a Bible that we believe in, and the, this Bible is uh, a, a cosmic, epic narrative which is supernatural in origin. And I think a lot of the church really, they want to throw away the supernatural part, you know, because, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, coffee in the newspaper and concrete is real and that's about it. But that's not the Bible. The Bible is full of, it's a supernatural, epic, cosmic narrative. And uh, you've really kind of uh, brought that out in your book. Well, you know, uh, that description that you gave, a supernatural, cosmic narrative, very on point because that's just what the Bible is and the churches of today have what I say, what I call in my book, despiritualized the Bible. And what we have in the Bible is a God who intervenes in his people's lives, who who is all powerful, who works miracles, who heals the sick, raises the dead, casts out devils, you know, but yet just because we don't see it today in our everyday life, we do away with what the Bible's uh, has, you know, shown us to be supernatural, and we've washed out any supernatural, uh, you know, things that occurred in the Bible, such as, you know, parting the Red Sea. I mean, we we get taught that in Sunday school, but we don't really believe it because we don't expect to see that today, and we don't expect to experience that. Like you said, uh, like you said before, um, you know, you're born in this world, and uh, you know, uh, you're taught what your parents know, and if your parents don't know nothing, then you have to listen to the government, and you're going to have to listen to whatever the government says, and they kind of, you know, tell you what's real, you know, and what's not, and, uh, you know, you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, as Ecclesiastes says, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. What was is what shall be. Ecclesiastes goes on to say that those generations that that came before us, we have forgotten, and so will the generations who come after us will forget. 
what happened before them. And so what we end up having is, and, and, and unless God reveals it to you, you're stuck in the matrix, and you, you can't see out of it because we're born into a world that we know nothing about. I mean, we know zero about it. And if our parents do not know and they cannot teach us, then we will not know, and our children won't know, and our children's children will never know. And so, therefore, those who do know, those who are in contact with the quote-unquote spirit realm, which is the bad side of the spirit realm, and those who have generational alliances with the fallen, they know, okay, but they only know from their viewpoint. They know from their supernatural interaction with the fallen. And so a lot of them, through generational curses, uh, generational alliances, let's say, have have continued through generations to to pass on the mysteries to their children and their children's children. And so, like you have institutions such as the Vatican, which have been in place for at least over you know over a thousand years, and you can imagine the type of information that they've passed along from generation to generation, which we don't we don't have that luxury other than the word of God, to know what's happening in this world. Yeah, because, That's why um, it's called a supernatural guidebook. <laughs> it is, really. And, you know, uh, I like how you really explain, you know, it's kind of a slap in the face. You kind of learn about reality from King because uh, because uh, we're kind of out here on the outside, the common man, the working man. I mean, even guys like you who are, you know, software engineers, you know, that are uh, really into the technical uh, technical part of uh, society. Um, even you, uh, if, unless you have God, we're, we're outside. We're outside the circle. You know, like you said, uh, uh, these people in the secret societies and even in the Vatican, they pass on knowledge to each other over generations of what is reality, what's really happening, and they leave us out of the loop. Is that pretty exactly. much what you're saying? Exactly. And see, by leaving us out of the loop, they can control us. You don't know God, you're never going to know God unless God reveals himself to you or, or someone who knows God, God tells you about him. So if you don't know about Yeshua, who's Jesus, like the Bible says, how will they know unless a preacher be sent? And so, you know, we who know Christ need to reach out to those who don't know because the Bible says the God of this world has blinded them from the truth of the gospel that they might be saved. And so we start to see these things, that it, it really is that way, and you know, when the Bible says something, it means it. And when God says do something, you do it. When he says don't do it, you don't do it. If he says it's up, then it's up. And if he says it's down, then it is down. Right. And you're not going to see that just uh, in the normal world because your, your five senses don't really, they don't really show you reality because you're kind of locked in this, like, matrix that you can't see out of. Right. And, and without know, just, God, you know. Yeah, and just just think about it, right? Let, let's say if we grew up in a box, all we know is four, four sides, okay, because we only grew up in a box. And unless somebody outside the box tell me there's something else outside the box, I will never see outside the box. And that's just the way this world is. You know, we're, we're born inside the box, and, and God reaches down and says, hey, guess what? There's more to this life than you realize, you know. And so that's why the Lord Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you start to see how much, you know, God loves us. You know, I mean, he's just good, you know. It, yeah. It, 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 it's just amazing that that God is just so good. I mean, he is, you know. And you can't tell people that because, uh, let's say today, it's politically incorrect to say, you know what, Jesus is the only way. 
uh, he wants to save you, and they like save me from what? You know, they 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 grew up in a box. They don't know anything, so they like save me from what? Well, that's a good point. I never thought of that. You know, you you, you come into somebody you want to sh- you want to share Jesus with them and stuff, and uh, you know, uh, you, you tell them you know they need Jesus, they need to be saved, and yeah, saved from what? Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that occurs to me that it seems like almost everybody could relate to is what happens when I die. Because I don't know what do we do? what do we do we kind of go that's the last thing we think of you know when we're going through our lives you know the mo- our 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 time of death you know uh, but uh, when we're home alone and we're in bed late at night we wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'm telling you brother you know you got fears what what happens when I die Jesus is the only answer exactly. you know am I right King Yeah absolutely right and just just think about it right. If you tell people, look, think about how the world is. The world is full of trouble. We all know that. The world is is full of murderers, adulterers, pedophiles, just straight-up mass murderers. You need to ask yourself, why is the world this way? Now, the Bible is the only one that tells you why the world is this way, because man fell. And so we have these, these, you know, what the Bible tells us of why the world is this way. And then you had these other, uh, let's say, religions. I don't consider Christianity a religion, but, you know, you have the, let's say, for for understanding's sake, you, you have these other religions that tell you, well, you become a better person and you can ascend to become a higher level. What that's going to do for you? If you're sinful, you're still sinful. If you're a murderer and a pedophile, you're still going to be an ascended pedophile. That makes no sense, right? And so right. then you have these other religions, right, that say, well, Muhammad is the other way, right? Okay, if that's the case, then how are you still going to get rid of your sinful nature how are you going to become a new creature because apparently something's wrong with humanity we all know that so none of these other religions give you anything but christianity christianity says look you're sick i've come with the cure if you accept this cure which is christ then you will be a new creature you will no longer be sick okay and i not only that i've decided i'm going to adopt you and you're going to be my child, and guess what? You get all the benefits of a ch- of my child. You get the inheritance because you're a part of my family. I mean, come on. I mean, that who who wants to reject that? I mean, you know. I mean, you you can't get no better than that. Yeah, and how easy is it? I mean, you know, what 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 does Jesus ask from you? You know, what does He ask from you? You know, your faith. That's about it, really. And obedience. Yep. Yep. I mean, and and also. The, when it comes to obedience, you know, you think, well, I don't want to give up my old lifestyle. Well, what will happen to you really is that if you come to Jesus and, and believe that he's God and he died on the cross for you uh, to pay the penalty for your sins and uh, you really believe in Jesus, then what's going to happen is you're going to change. He's going to start this work in you. And you think, well, you know, I'm not going to give up this lifestyle, but you will. Because after a while, you're just going to want to be with Jesus, aren't you? Exactly. And not only that, you're content with no matter what happens. You know, if an earthquake coming, you're content. If the economy crashes, you're content because you know God says he's going to take care of you. And if God said it, he means it, and that settles it. What do you want to talk about, King? I want to talk about my book. That's good. Yeah. Because I think it's important for today, and which is one of the reasons why I wrote it. And one of the reasons why I wrote Ancient Myths in the Bible is because 
there's a misunderstanding in the body of Christ about the Bible and about the supernatural aspects of the Bible and this world. And so based upon the fact that we live in the end times, there are a lot of things that are, are going to occur according to the scriptures that, if possible, can deceive even the very elect. And the Bible says that in the last days there will be those of understanding who instruct many. And so you have a lot of people like myself, you, Tom Horn, Peter Goodgame, you name it. Hey, Pete, what's up? Pete's <laughs> my good friend, man. I love Pete. Me and yeah. Pete are good, good buddies. Yeah, uh, I'm impressed with Pete, you know, because I talked to Pete because uh, I was going to get him on my radio show one time, and he was like, you know, I'm going to seek God right now. I can't do that right now, you know, which I, I respect. So, Have uh, you heard our show with Peter Goodgame, Iron Show 7? Uh, I didn't finish listening to it. I was listening. The reason why that's the reason why I wrote the book is is that uh, people needed to understand what the Bible says because through my journey through studying end time prophecies and you know listening to people like Tom Horn, listening to people like Michael S. Heiser, and just doing my own research, uh, you know, going into the, the 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 Greek and the Hebrew and using interlinear Bibles, you know, you start seeing the truth of the scriptures. And you start to realize how much the you know we as a people on this planet have been deceived. And so, when I realized, and it, I'm gonna tell you, it took me a while to get to the point to write this book because I would say probably a year or two, a year and a half to two years, I didn't do anything because I couldn't accept it, you know, because my worldview wasn't there. I, I could, you know, I say, Lord, you gotta protect me because I said. I'm in dangerous territory because now we're dealing with what we consider mythology, which is usually con connected to the occult. And so, you know, what we consider the occult, which is hidden knowledge, all this stuff, right, Satan and all that. And so I left it alone for a while. And, I, you know, as, as I just kept going on and researching and studying, you know, God kept bringing these scriptures back to me, and I kept studying. And I said, well, I can't deny the scriptures. This is what it says. And so I also read uh, other people's work, like William Michael Mott, uh, Caves, Cauldrons, and, and Concealed Creatures, which is an excellent book. Uh, if nobody's ever read it, they should read it. What's the name again? Uh, Caves, Cauldrons, and Concealed Creatures. It's something like that. I may have it a little backwards. Um, wow. It's by William Michael Mott. And it's an excellent book. Um, and he goes even further than where I, I went. I When I wrote this book, I decided to stay from the Bible only, King James Version only. Now I love it. Yeah, I, I do make comparisons to uh, ancient texts, you know, as examples, but I don't quote from any other sources, no pseudopedagraphical works, not the Book of Enoch and anything, which I do respect the Book of Enoch, but I wanted people who just, you know, read the what we consider canon to to follow along and see what it, it teaches. That's why your work is so substantial because you're not going off of these uh, pseudepigraphal books or any of these, uh, you know, any of these uh, texts outside the Bible. You're really drawing on just the Bible only. Exactly, and I did that on purpose so that people won't say, "Well, that's not the Bible. That's not the Bible." Well, this is the Bible, and if you stay within context, because I believe in keeping everything within context, you know, looking at the words how they're used throughout the scriptures. And I'm uh, trying to be consistent with that. And so uh, as I wrote this, uh, well, let's say during my research uh, for this book, uh, you know, because God was leading me up the whole time uh, to, to learn these things, uh, 
I realized that what we call myth has some truths. And so my question has been, and still is today, how much of mythology is true? Okay, because what we have in, in the scriptures, we have giants, okay? Not only do we have giants, we have what we call magic, okay? Now, we call them miracles today, but when you have uh, Janice and Jambres, uh, which is Pharaoh's uh, magicians going up against Moses and Aaron, uh, they you know they, they turned their staffs into snakes. There you go. I mean, they did it exactly. And so you know, throughout scriptures, you know, we have uh, people doing magic. Uh, in the Book of Acts, you know, those who came to Christ had to burn their magicians' books. So, so if this stuff wasn't real, God wouldn't tell you not to do it. Okay, He wouldn't tell you not to seek after these beings if they weren't real. And so uh, as you start reading the scriptures, you start seeing similarities of of myth mythology such as the underworld we call it hell okay but hell really is just a generic term for the underworld but you have within the underworld gehenna which is the fiery part and then you had abraham's bosom which in greek mythology was elysian fields okay not only not only that um in the underworld you had according to greek mythology you had gates and not only that, the Bible says about the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, you know, the gates of the underworld. So so you have uh, this similar story about the Most High God who who basically rules, well, the Most High God who is Yahweh uh, ruled over these beings called angels and a third of those angels fell. Now, according to Genesis 6, some of these angels came down and had sex with women. Now, the traditional Christian going to say, no, 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 now you you lost me because how can angels have sex with women? The problem is our understanding of an angel. You know, an angel really, I mean, if you really dig into the, uh, if you really dig in to the Hebrew text and the, really the understanding of how the ancient Hebrews saw it and everything, angel, now angel is just a job description. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of uh, heavenly hosts that could be angels just because that's a job description. Exactly. Right? So when you say angel, you're not talking about their attributes. You know, you're not talking about what they can do, what they're able to do, what their powers are, you know, or anything. All you're saying when you say angel is, is, is their job description, what they're doing, delivering a message. That's it. You know, so when, when people, that's what people have a problem because Jesus said, that um, when they ask him about, you know, whose wife will it be, you know, when they, when they die and go to heaven, and Jesus said, well, they'll be like the angels in heaven. They're, never, they're neither married nor given in marriage. And people will cite that and say Genesis 6 isn't true because angels don't have sex. But these, these creatures that came down uh, in Genesis 6 weren't really necessary. We've we got to throw away that term angels, don't we? I agree. I agree. We need to call them the B'nai Elohim. We need to call them either, you know, seraphim, cherubim, onanim, whatever. But definitely get rid of the angel part because it's too generic. It, it doesn't describe these beings. Right, and angels, we know, don't have sex because Jesus said that. But uh, these weren't angels in Genesis 6. I think that's the point everybody misses, isn't it? Well, you know, Genesis 6 says that the B'nai Elohim came down. Now, they could have been angels because angels are messengers, as, as you mentioned. 
But at the same time, if you look at the scriptures, what we call angels, angels had physical form every time you saw them. When you saw them at Sodom and Gomorrah, they looked like men. When you saw them at the Lord's tomb, they looked like men. And so you never see an angel take on a, the form of a woman. Why is that? Okay, because yeah, why they, is that? Because they are men. They, they, what I call them, they are like what we would call higher level beings. You know, like in the science fiction movies, you have these beings that are very powerful and they bright and they shiny and they live in the stars and they come and visit Earth. Uh, they're sort of like that. They're they're in a higher level than we are. Like, like, like with the example in the box. We're in the box, which is the world, but they can live outside the box. But they come inside the box every now and then to you know visit with mankind. And so they're physical beings. The Bible talks about uh, beings that are celestial, which have celestial bodies, and the Bible talks about beings that. Are terrestrial, which have earthly bodies, which are which are you know the descendants of Adam. What we have here are beings who are men, but they're not Adam. They are not descendants of Adam. So a lot of times when you look at the scriptures, the Bible will say, "And man did this," and it may say Adam. And then other times, like in Ezekiel, it says, "But there were no man," which is Adam. And but then it says, uh, "The cities were destroyed." I'm sorry, that's Jeremiah. The cities were destroyed and there were no men, which is each. But the Bible seems to show us that there was a different man. It's a man, but it's not an Adam. And so what we end up seeing are two different types of, of, of beings, the descendants of Adam and the angelic hierarchy. And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm coming to the point uh, 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 of believing that the Antichrist is going to be an angel and the false prophet is going to be an angel. I mean, we've always looked at it at, as these beings being men. You know, some some Adam being uh, uh, the Antichrist. But uh, I've been looking uh, at a website. Uh, it's called Prophecy Proofs by Wayne uh, Crowley. And uh, it's very interesting because he's looking at what the occultist says about things. And um, he also has a video on there by Pam Shepard talking about the ascended masters. And so when you start reading this stuff, everything they say, if you if you look at it, you say, well, the Bible says that there was a beast that ascended out of the abyss. It was the angel of the abyss. Okay, and, and he's the Antichrist. He's the beast that was, that is not, but that shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. And, and we always say, well, that must be a spirit that just comes out and possesses a man. But if we go back to Genesis 6 and we believe that angels came down and had sex with women, then we see... Or rather, that, heavenly hosts did. Yeah, uh, yeah. let's say heavenly hosts did. Then what we have is a being who breaks out of prison, let's say, because he's given the key to get out of the abyss and therefore make himself present on earth. So there's nothing against uh, uh, the scriptures to say that the false prophet and the antichrist may be angelic beings. Because think about this for a second. And none of this part is in my book, but... Uh, if, if you think about it, the false prophet and the Antichrist are thrown into the lake of fire when the Lord comes. And the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels. Okay, it wasn't created for man. But they go directly to the lake of fire, whereas those unbelievers of Adam, they die, and then there's the second resurrection. Uh, and then they're, you know, they go to trial before the great white throne and then cast into the lake of fire. 
And all of that happens after the thousand years of, of Christ's rule on earth. So why, if man has to stand before a trial, because it's appointed that the man wants to die and then the trial or the judgment, why is that the case, that Adam's, both male and female, have to stand before the judgment seat, but the Antichrist and false prophet goes straight to the lake of fire, which was prepared for that devil and his angels. So I think was was I think it's a high probability that what we see as ascended beings or ascended masters that the New Age calls them are literally the angels and that the Antichrist and the false prophet will be an angel in human form. Because I don't think... Well, the Bible says that, that, you know, Lucifer is an angel. So anyway, <laughs> I sort of got off track with that. No, uh, that's fine. That's great. But with the with the ancient myths in the Bible, um, I saw that... But for instance, uh, I know everyone's not like me because I'm the type of person that it has to be line upon line, precept upon precept, and I'm not going to accept something unless I can prove it. So uh, during my journey, I had to prove to myself, and that's why uh, you know I wrote this book because I figured there's other people like me who who needs proof. They need to see it line upon line, precept upon precept, and it needs to be within context. And it needs to, you know, not be twisted. Don't don't force it. Just let the Bible say what it says. And and so uh, I, I think that's well, a sound I, method you got there. What's that? That's a sound method you have there. Yeah, and, and you know that's what the Bible tells us to do. You know, line upon line, precept upon precept. And so I felt that people could could benefit from this because it's not being taught in our churches, as you know. And so when these things manifest, when 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 the Antichrist start, you know, call, well the false prophets start causing fire to come down heaven in the presence of men, and you know they start seeing UFOs in the sky and and all these wondrous things, and they're gonna think we're going into the age of Aquarius, right? A lot of people are gonna gonna be deceived because they've been programmed by Hollywood through science fiction, you know, through the, through movies such as Stargate, you know, the gods have come back. So their worldview is going to be what they've been programmed to receive and accept. And so then you have those in church who have not been conditioned by their pastors to understand what the Bible has been saying all along, that there's a time coming where, if possible, the very elect could be deceived. And the question is, what is so close to the truth that can deceive? Even It's going to be very, very convincing. Exactly. Very convincing, won't it? It has to be. And it's going to titillate the eyes and the ears, and, and, and you're going to feel it, and, and, and they're going to be talking to you, and, and you're going to, these beings are going to manifest, in my opinion, in, the, in, in front of men, like in the old days. Because, see, what I believe happened is right before the flood, I believe that you had the angelic hierarchy living with mankind. Because uh, Genesis 6 already tells us that they had sex with women, produced the men of old, the men of renown, which we, you know, some of which we consider to be, uh, demigods like Hercules, okay, and so I believe. Yeah, they were maybe maybe they were the Titans. Well, that's that's the other thing. The Titans, I believe, were the fallen angels because if you look at. Oh, I thought certain, they were the Nephilim, but the but the Titans were actually the the heavenly host. You think? Well, I think it was a play on on the two the two emerging of the two ideas, right? because the, the Titans were giants, but at the same time, the Titans were. They fought against the gods, right? And the Titans, according to mythology, were supposed to be older than the gods. But yet, 
there was a war, and they fought against Zeus and everyone, and they were thrown into Tartarus. And those, those titans were thrown into Tartarus, which is the abyss, which is where, you know, the angels are, or the, you know, the, the, uh, the Antichrist, let's say, or Apollo. Because so it Apollo, really sounds like they were the giants, or the, the titans were the offspring of the, uh, of the heavenly host, right? Is that... Well, they could have been, because by titans being half angelic, half human, I mean, half, right. half angelic, half human, their destinations would be the same place as their fathers, I would think, which would be, you know, the abyss and then the lake of fire. And I've heard the, that that's who the demons are, the souls of the giants, the souls of the Nephilim. Yeah, and that comes Pure from the book that? of Enoch. Yeah, that comes from the book of Enoch, uh, Enoch 1, which is, I, I think is absolutely correct, because they were half uh, angelic, half human, and there was no place found for them, so they roamed the earth. And that's why you had these demons possessing human bodies, looking, you know, for bodies to possess. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. If you're half human, half angel, you've really got no home, do you? You don't belong anywhere. Exactly. You don't belong in heaven and you don't belong on earth. I mean, wow. You know, so you're caught in between. So you're in a spiritual state and you're trying to get back into the physical body that you had before. And so, you know, that's why a lot of times if you look at these things, you say, man, you know, this, this, the Bible really does look like what we know ancient myths to be. And so the only problem is this, right? Ancient mythology, uh, you know, from the Greeks, the Sumerians and all of that, uh, they look at it from the viewpoint of the fallen. Okay, so you have a world that was, in my opinion, controlled in the past by the fallen, at least before the flood. And so the stories have been twisted. The stories have been changed from the truth of God's word. And so if you look at what happened back then, in my opinion, uh, Father God, he didn't have much to do with the earth back then. And that's why the earth, you know, became, you know, full of violence. And so, you know, until the time when God had to separate eight people for himself, which is Noah and his family, and destroy the earth because it was so violent, and there was only a few, what the Bible says, perfect people, because Noah was perfect, which is like an unblemished sacrifice, according to, to, to the, the word studies, it seemed to be that he was without blemish. He wasn't corrupted by the, by the genetic lines of the angels. And so... And, and and if if people don't believe this, they need to go and do a word study and, and look at those scriptures and see what it means because we all know Noah was not a perfect man. Okay, Noah got drunk. I mean, of course he wasn't perfect. He's a man. The Bible says, you know, if we say we sin, then we, you know, we lie. Right, because, I mean, if you really look at it, if you really look at the, uh, if you really look at the text and get underneath it, you know, get underneath the Hebrew, really it's kind of saying that he was Genetically perfect, not exactly. you know, not uh, what do you uh, not um, morally perfect. Morally right, morally perfect. That's what I'm looking for. He was uh, perfect in his generation, exactly. which I mean, it really points to a genetic line where he had pure blood, pure, pure human blood. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And you know, it's hard for people to believe that, but when you start studying that and you start seeing that. It appears that from the whole be from the beginning, it was a genetic manipulation. If you believe Genesis six was, you know, angelic humans, I mean, angels interfacing with human women and producing these beings, these giants, 
if you accept that paradigm, then you have to go back and accept the paradigm that, hey, guess what? It appears that maybe Noah and his family were the only ones not corrupted by this infestation of fallen angels. Yeah, and because, as, I mean, everybody around around Noah at the time, I mean, they'd be like me. There'd be some angel in there, like, uh, I'm 132nd black, and I'm 18th uh, uh, Blackfoot Indian. So it would be like that. You'd have like a, you'd be like me. You'd have like one eighth angel, right? A exactly. Lot. Everybody would be contaminated, right? Exactly, exactly. And and it makes sense too why when God would tell Israel to go and wipe out a bunch of people, children, animals, and everything else, because it was about corrupted gene pool. It had to be destroyed because Satan was trying to do it all again, even after the flood. And so, so you know, when we look at the Bible from the viewpoint of of mythology, then we start saying seeing this this what you what you so appropriately phrased as this cosmic war. And if you think about what Satan is trying to do, he's trying to one stop Adam from inheriting the promises of God, and two, what he's trying to do is is just create his own race of people in my opinion he's trying to create his own group of people that will worship him and so the, and the idea of noah the idea of noah was uh uh this one idea that really dr future introduced me to the idea of the kinsman kinsman redeemer we had to have a redeemer that was pure human exactly a descendant of adam right exactly so that's why we have what we what we see today for instance, if you look at the New World Order and uh, the plans that they have for wiping out a third of the world's population and the things that they want to do in terms of genetic modification of the food, genetic modifications of the people, this makes no sense for humans because why would a human want to wipe out a third of the world's population? I mean, they should be happy with the fact that they have money. Well, they control the system that we're in already. Uh, you know, we are all sort of work for them, let's say, you know, slaves, maybe not complete slaves, but sort of slaves, they control everything. Why would they want to wipe out most of the world's population? It's because it's religious. It's a, it's it's an agenda by the fallen. And I'm convinced. Uh, have you ever seen the movie They Live? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm convinced that that's how the world is. I am convinced that oh. the elite meet with fallen angels and get their marching orders, and that's why the plans has been you know, to implement the New World Order has been going on from generation to generation. I'm convinced it's just like that. Yeah, my co-host often says that the New World Order is the same continuing order that's always been, yeah. which is really true. That's what you're saying, aren't you? Exactly. It's, it's, the Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. What was but is what shall be. But it's coming to a climax is, oh, is really what's happening. Definitely. And, and see, what's happening is Everyone's going to be confronted with the decision whose side I'm on. And so if you don't know Christ, you're going to be scared out of your wits. You are, you are going to see powerful beings manifesting themselves on earth. You're going to see a totalitarian system coming in, locking things down, and you will have no paradigm to deal with it. When you start seeing beings arise out of the earth and out of ships maybe, uh, how you're are you going to handle scared. Yeah, you're going to be scared. And, and that's one thing I realized, too, these horror movies. I believe they keep showing horror movies because it's the same story over and over and over. Why do people watch it? Why do they keep making it? 
because I think they're conditioning people for when these things happen, all they're going to do is run and scream, and they're going to be destroyed. Whereas if they weren't conditioned, they might say, oh, God, help me. Jesus, help me. But what they're going to do, they're going to do what they've been conditioned to do, which is run and scream and die. Right. I mean, that's that's what it is in the horror movies. You, uh, you're confronted with the monster, you run, scream, and die. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if you don't know Jesus, you know, one thing uh, that I've been thinking of, uh, when Jesus said in Matthew 24, Matthew 24, um, I think it's 26, 28, 26, he said that... Um, the, the deception would be would be so powerful that even the elect would be deceived. Now you think about that. Who's yeah. the elect? Guys if, like King here. Yeah. You if, know. If even possible. King, even King could be deceived if exactly. it were possible. Exactly. And God sends them the strong delusion. So God right. makes, that makes them, it even worse. Doesn't that makes it? it worse. It does. It makes it worse. You know, that's why, you know, I thank God for his mercy every day. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, you know, because we could easily be where they are. And that, that's why I feel we have to do whatever we can to reach the lost, because that's, that's our goal. That's what we're called to do. We must be at our father's business. We must be single-minded, you know, pulling people out of the fire. Uh, you know, the church got to stop playing church. You know, we, we got to be busy. We got we to gotta be at our father's business just like the Lord Jesus was uh, and that, that's what I want. You know, I ask God all the time to make me where I can do the Father's will, you know, putting aside my own will, you know, because it's easy for us to want to, you know, get glory and do things for ourselves. You know, we, we have to fight to do the Lord's will. And we must. Yeah, like my co-host Rick always says, take yourself out of the equation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's why, you know, that's why I got you here on the Iron Show. That's why the. The whole mission of the Iron Show is just, uh, I just came to this point one night. I said, Jesus, please, let me do something. Let me serve some way. Amen. Amen. And if the Iron Show isn't the way I end up, you know, I'm not, I'm supposed to serve, then I'll sweep the floors in a church at night if that's exactly. my mission. Exactly. You know? Exactly. But, you know, <laughs> once again, if you look at Scripture, we're fulfilling those of understanding shall instruct many. Okay, well, I believe we're all fulfilling that that prophecy, and and so I, you know I am glad that that the internet is here. I'm I'm glad we're able to use these tools to to reach people because just imagine, we can't stand on the corners anymore and witness. You're either gonna get arrested, you know, uh, people yeah. driving by in cars and everything, so they're not gonna stop and listen to you anyway. But everyone loves to surf the internet, and every. And everybody likes to listen to something every now and then, especially if you see something about UFOs and, and angels and magic and prophecy, then people might stop by and listen for a while. I'd like to say I'd like to say to the people listening to this, I mean, listen to King. Um, King is uh somebody that you really should respect. He's a he's very he's very smart. He may be smarter than you, he probably is. I know he's smarter than me, he's a software engineer he's a software troubleshooter when some code comes up in some program that says error code king is one of the guys who knows exactly what that is and go fix it that is true <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do right king that's that's what i do you know i love it i love it king, uh, king's a very smart individual so uh you know you're not listening to, you're not listening to some dummy on the internet you've got uh 
King's a very talented and very smart individual. So everybody listen up. And, you know, the the thing is, too, you know, as smart as a person may be, it, without the revelation of God, without his Holy Spirit, you know, we'll be blinded. Because you have a lot of intelligent people, uh, you know, a lot smarter than us, who, who don't see what we see. And it's only by God's grace that we do see what we see. And so uh, I think what we have to do is, is, is just make sure that, as the Scripture says, we exalt Christ, and then many will be drawn unto, unto him. Because if we don't do that, then what we end up doing is building our kingdom, which I don't want to have a part of. You know, I don't want to have a, a part of building my kingdom according to the you know, from the word of God. I want to build his kingdom and let him bless me. You know, I want my rewards. I want my crown. I want my gold. I don't want no wood, hay, and stubble. So, you know, that's why every day I ask God to guide me, you know, order my steps, because that's what we need to do. Yeah, I mean, we got to take ourselves uh, out of the equation and uh, just ask God, just, what, do you, what do you want? You know, like uh, I was praying a prayer. I needed something. You know, it was sort of a, a bad situation. And, my, and I was like, you know, please, God, please fix this. And then I changed my mind. I was like, wait a minute, um, please, God, make, make, it, make it come out so it's the best for me, however it, however it turns out. And then I thought about it some more, and I finally said, Jesus, um, just make this work out so it works out the best for you. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, this is a pro I'm, I'm, I'm explaining a process of me taking myself out of the equation, you know, it's an example of, yeah. of, and that's what you're talking about, right? Well, yeah, one of the things that I've noticed is nowadays we see, it, it just seems like we're seeing a falling away from the faith. And in, in these churches, it just seems like people are just going and just sitting there and, and listening to the sermon, they leave and they just go and go back and do whatever they want to, and they're not concerned about the lost. Or you don't see them going out there talking to people about Jesus, and that's a real concern for me. What I'm seeing, and and I'm thinking that with the way everything is going, we're losing rights as Christians, and there's very few of us that are standing up and and fighting to keep. To keep Jesus alive here in America, and um, as it continues to get worse, I think I think what I'm seeing is I, I really believe that the Antichrist is going to be revealed pretty soon, I, and I I have a different view about the Antichrist. I believe it is a man, and I believe he doesn't realize right now that he will be the Antichrist, and and I believe since he doesn't belong to God and he rejected. Christ, I believe the Satan spirit will dwell in this man, and then he'll be able to have power. And one of the things I had uh, discovered is that, you know, Project Bluebeam will, I, I, I really believe that it's going to be used to... Um, I, I agree with you. I to, think Project Bluebeam will be used. To, to help him with this deception. I, I think it's there's going to be a huge deception going on to deceive people into thinking that there are actual aliens. And I think, um, I'm not saying that aliens do, don't exist. I believe that these are demonic creatures. And I, I'm not saying that UFOs don't exist. I do believe that they do exist. And I think it's a deception. I think I think Satan puts things in our in our heads or he creates an illusion to 
to confuse us. And, you know, we want to believe so much that there's other uh, life on other planets and, and stuff that God had created life on other planets and that one day that, you know, these other beings will be able to come here and visit us. And, and I'm afraid that's going to be used also to uh, deceive us. And yeah. I think Blue Beam is going to be used for that. Yeah, what I think is, is with Project Blue Beam is, is that that technology will be used but I also think that uh, without the manifestation of, of these angels on earth or some manifestation of some other beings that, uh, you know, Project Blue Beam can only work so far because according to, you know, their writings, Project Blue Beam, they can talk to your head. Well, we know that technology is there. They can create holograms in, 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 in the sky. Uh, you know, they can do all those wonders in, in the heavens. But Let's say that, you know, you heard something and you saw something. Is that enough to convince you, even if you're not saved? I think if you see beings come out of a craft, uh, that's enough to convince you because not only can you see it, you can touch it, you can smell it. And so, you know, even according to the scriptures, the devil and his angels will be cast down to earth. So I, I think it's going to be a combination of technology and the manifestation of these angelic beings and you know that that's just my my opinion, but one thing I, I do believe is that the UFO phenomena is real, and there's something going on now. I don't believe uh, beings exist on other planets. I believe that they're they're either Nephilim, which are the offspring of the fallen, or the fallen angels themselves. That that's my opinion. Or some heavenly host that we really have never heard about. Well, I still think they fall in the category of what we call angels. But right. yes, they are heavenly hosts or the morning stars that sung when God created everything because uh, Satan is a morning star. And so uh, I, I believe that they fall within that classification. I don't think there's um, uh, an, a, a, another race of, let's say, humans on another planet who's, who are trying to come here because let's assume there was such a thing as humans on another planet who was given the same decision as we have and you know some chose to rebel and some chose not to rebel then those on the those people on those planets why would they want to come here and and see the thing is Jesus had to die as an Adam he's the second Adam so he would not have died for them on another planet if they had you know uh fallen in sin and so not only that I believe that earth will be quarantined because earth is sinful. So only the fallen will come here or those or the good angels that God sent to deliver a message or do some work. But I, I don't believe that there's uh, what we call extraterrestrials on planets. Right. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. I disagree with you a little bit, Suze, when you talk about the Antichrist not knowing who he is now. Uh, it says he comes really basically... He comes on with full power. I mean, that's what you pretty much think, right, King? Oh, definitely. I, I think he is, you know how the Lord Jesus, when he came, he came with a mission, you know, to fulfill his father's will. When he was little, he told his mother, I got to get busy. I got to serve my father. Exactly. And I think the Antichrist is the same way. I think he knows who he is and, and that the elite uh, of the occult have expected him, Osiris, Apollo, whatever you want to call him. They They are expecting him. And that's why you see that uh, Washington, D.C. is designed the way it is as a testimony of their Messiah. 
And that's why he's the Antichrist. He's another Christ. He's against Christ. You know, he's a counterfeit. But he's also he's also like Christ. He's yeah. I mean the, yeah. people are gonna think he's Jesus. Exactly. He's gonna imitate Jesus a lot, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, because uh, Antichrist also means um, in the stead of yeah. Christ. Yeah. You know, in the place of Christ and, also. And, uh, exactly. And not only that, you know, the Jews have always been waiting for the Messiah. They've never oh, accepted Jesus. As, you know, so, you know, the Antichrist is going to be the one that, that fills that role. Well, the did, you know that Tom Horn, did you know that Tom Horn uh, found in, you know, the, 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 the Kabbalists, the Jewish... Kabbalists, the mystics, yeah. Yeah. in their book, and I can't remember the name of their book, that they, it's kind of their Bible, they have him coming in 2012, which is really strange, um, uh, J.R. Church uh, uh, got a hold of Tom Horn because he found it, and he had Tom Horn look at it, and they're expecting him to return, their Jesus, exactly. to return in 2012, isn't that weird? Isn't it? And not only that, if you read my book, I've come to the same conclusion, but from a scriptural point of view, in the fact that the dragon uh, is a water dragon. And I make the case that the, the calendar in, in the sky, which is called the zodiac, is a legitimate thing and even taught in the scriptures. And, and, but that it's a calendar. It's not for, you know, predicting the future. And I, and I go to show that the water dragon is the dragon in Revelation. Because it's the beast that ascends out of the abyss, which is associated with water. It's Leviathan that comes out of the water, which is the water dragon. And 2012 just so happens to be the year of the dragon. And what? The water dragon. It's not, wow. It's not the year of the fire dragon or the metal dragon or the wood dragon. It's the year of the water dragon. And so 2012, in my opinion, is the return of Gesucato, who's a dragon. Okay, he's the return of the water dragon. And if you look at all of the occult signs, the age of what? Aquarius. Aquarius. Aquarius is what? Water. Oh, it's the wow. Age of the That's water interesting. Dragon. I, never saw, I never looked at that before. That's, That's deep, King. You know, God showed that to me, and I was like, That's what it you know, appears to be. So we'll see in 2012 if the Antichrist is going to arrive. It appears to be the case to me, but we'll see. Jesus said that you won't know the day or the hour. You know, nobody knows the day or the hour, only his Father in heaven. But people always gloss over the part where he says you will know the season. Exactly, exactly. Why do people gloss over that? Because they don't want to believe that they're in that season. <laughs> well, not only that, it's kind of hard to tell the day and the hour of he's coming because there's 24-hour time zones in the world. And, and, and like, That's a good one. And, and not only that. If you look at it according to Jewish, uh, you know, tradition and what they, what, the way they determine the seasons, it's all based upon the new moon. You don't know when the new what? moon is going to come. Yeah, what is when, when Jesus said you won't know the day or the hour, but you will know the season, what is the season? Could you dig us into that? Well, I can't tell you what the season is. I mean, because what what I think it is, I think it's based upon the Jewish tradition, right, of of, of the feast. The fall feast, uh, the winter feast, all all those type of uh, things, right? And, and so I, I believe that the feasts tell us when these things are going to be because uh, I, I forgot um, what's his name, um, uh, a Jewish pastor. I had him on my show. I just can't remember his name right now. But he talks about 
there's only a few uh, celestial signs in terms of dealing with the sun and the moon that falls on Jewish feasts. And I think the last one is like either 2016 or 2017. And, and you won't see these signs in the heavens again for like 300 years or something like that, I think it is. So a season uh, is 300 years long? Well, no, no. What I'm trying to say is I, I think that a season is is a time frame. You're right. And, right. Uh, uh, I can't tell you when that time frame begins. Maybe it begins when we first started seeing the birth pains. But what's uh, the duration of a season when Jesus was saying that? I mean, I what's no the, how long is it? I have no idea. That, but maybe that's a question for Tom Horn or a question for Michael S. Heiser because I can't tell you what a season is. I, I haven't looked into that. And that's a good question. What is a season? But we will know the season. I mean, we will know yeah. it. Yeah. How can how do you get around that when you want to deny the end times? I mean, I don't know. Would you say that we 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 can see we know the season now? I mean, I think I I think I do. I would say so. And see, I mean, maybe a season means the age. You know, maybe it's the an age it's, or the generation. Or the generation. Well, maybe it's a generation. You know, but maybe we can nail it down to a three month season. <laughs> well, because it says in the Bible, I believe in uh, Matthew chapter 24, that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Um, I'm, you know, I'm thinking that's the generation that saw Israel become a nation. That's a again. good idea. Yeah, yeah. And the season that begin to see these things are the ones that shall not end. That, that, yeah. Maybe it is a generation. The one that. Now, how old would they be if you're born in 1947? You'd be. Uh, you wouldn't be that old. You'd only be uh, 63. Yeah, yeah. So you you would die probably somewhere around. Uh, well, now this now if, if you're gonna see uh, Israel become a nation, I guess you'd be. I guess you wouldn't be born in 1947. You might be born in what 1937 or. I mean, you could figure it that way. Is that would put you right around 73. You know, so 63, 73. You're probably gonna die at 80 or. A man. Uh, what does the Bible say that a man's life is sixty years, seventy for good health? One hundred twenty by strength, right? One hundred twenty by strength. Yeah. Oh. But the average, I think, is probably like you were saying, you know, seventy, eighty, somewhere around. There. He said sixty years, seventy for be for good health. Yeah. You ever read that? I don't remember seventy for good health. I just remember by reading the strength, one hundred twenty years. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay, but doesn't it also say in? Matthew 24, that for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. That's true. Yeah, but that's what, when he's talking about that, he's saying that um, yeah, that the destruction will be so intense that if Jesus didn't come down and uh, stop it, all flesh would die. Isn't that what that means, King? Well, it does say those days shall be shortened. Now, is that a literal 24-hour day? I don't know, oh. you know, but it says those days shall be short, and if those days are going to be short, then I don't know. What type of day is it? Is it a thousand-year day? A day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day, or is it a literal 24-hour day? I don't know. But he was really saying, though, that things would be so bad that unless he came and shortened the whole time, came in and stopped it, yeah, that everybody would die. Saved. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that what that means? Well, yeah, yeah, but I, I'm wondering if there's more to it, you know, what if yeah. it really is a shortening of the days, you know, as a... You mean like uh, the Earth's uh, Earth speeding up, so days like 12 yeah. hours and... Like after the, the earthquake, 
the 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 days have been shortened by a few seconds since oh. the Chilean earthquake. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's possible. You know, I'm not too sure. They may, I think there could be a, a a more deeper fulfillment of that scripture than on the surface, but I don't know. Now I've heard I've heard you um, on on Teotihuacan Radio, um, you and Keith. Uh, Teotihuacan Radio, everybody. Uh, go to you, all you got to do is go to um, Blog Talk Radio and punch in Teotihuacan. That's uh, T E O T W A W K I I, and that's for uh, Teotihuacan Interactive. And anyway, the easy way to find it is remember what what Teotihuacan means. The end of the world as we know it. So if you can remember the end of the world as we know it and add one more I for interactive at Blog Talk Radio, you'll get right there. And Keith and Kane were talking about, um, you know, how the Antichrist will, will really come on the scene, you know. Is it going to be a political thing or is it going to be like a, like a supernatural thing? Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit, King? Yeah, uh, my brother and I did a show um we were talking, and, and, you know, we were wondering, how will Antichrist come? You know, a lot of people expect him to come as a political figure who's going to, you know, be the leader of a major country like the United States, and uh, the whole world will end up worshiping him for some reason because either he was wounded by a sword, you know, his head head wound and, and resurrected from the dead or rose from the dead or whatever, and people start wondering after him and following him. Well, we were saying that we think that the Antichrist is going to become, is going to arrive more the way you would expect Jesus to arrive. He will arrive with with his angels, okay, because the Lord Jesus, when he returns, are supposed to return with his angels, right? Well, will he come in the clouds like Jesus? We better watch it. But see, that's you know? the thing. Will he come in the clouds? Because... You know, we are seeing UFOs, and we're starting to see a lot of films of things in the sky. And the Bible says about the Antichrist, whose coming is with all lying signs and wonders. And and when you look at that, it, it, it's a heavenly sign. It's heavenly sign, something in the heavens that, that comes that's a lying wonder. And all we know right now that we see in the heavens are UFOs right now, and these strange things in the sky that, People are filming. I mean, who knows what some of those things are? And so the question is, if Antichrist comes in a spaceship with some other aliens, like we see in the movies, right, like Independence Day, and he comes and he lands and he says, hi, you know, I'm representative of the ascendant masters who live on Venus, and I come to, you know, give you all new technology and get rid of nuclear weapons and, uh, make you all love one another, and we'll have this one utopian society, which is the age of Aquarius. And I've come to help fulfill that dream, and people will follow it. When that happens, what will you think? Oh, who, me? Yeah. I would say that's the Antichrist. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> because, because here's the deal. Like I tell my son, I tell my son this because he, he's nine years old. I tell him, I say, look, even if you see somebody coming in the sky, I say that's not Jesus unless you, me, your mom, and all the Christians are caught up together with him in the air and have new bodies. If you don't see that, it's not Jesus because Jesus is right. not coming back on this earth first. We're going to meet him in the air. We're going to be changed. And, 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 and if we're not in the air with him and changed with new bodies, it's not Jesus. 
Now, you don't really believe in a pre-trib rapture. You believe in a type of rapture, which really you would probably call it a resurrection rather than a rapture, and that is uh, after the tribulation. We could almost we could almost define your views as pre-wrath, before the wrath of God, but after the uh, great tribulation. Is that you want to talk about that a tiny bit? You know, Johnny, thank you for saying that so much. <laughs> because. Oh, uh-huh. Most people. You can tell. You can tell I'm a fan, can't you? I can tell you are a fan. I am impressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been listening to King for years. I'll tell you what. I want. I'll, I'll go off the subject just a little bit. And tell you about King. Uh, you know, I, I've because of the nature of my work, uh, working 12-hour graveyard shifts all the time, out you know in the cold, isolated by myself. You know, King, guys like King, and Dr. Future, Peter Goodgame, Lynn Marzulli, you know, and, you know, especially King, I listen to a lot of King, and he's really been a voice in the dark. You know, you've really been this voice in the darkness, King, and uh, you, you've attained kind of a hero status. You're a legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know it, it's good to be appreciated, you know, I mean, you know, we do what we do to serve the Lord, you know. You don't know if you're reaching somebody or not, but it's good that people are blessed by your work, you know. Uh, I tell you, had... King, you know, you don't really understand. I don't think you understand the gravity of what you do when you when you lay down a Teotihuacan podcast and you become this voice in the dark for somebody like Johnny, you know, and help him get through really hard times. I mean, I don't think you really understand uh, how important your ministry is. I mean, maybe you do, but... Uh, I it's I think it's very important, you know. You've been very you've been a very important person to me. Well, you know, I I'm glad because you know, I I I you know how it is with having you on radio show. You know, you're attacked from other side, you know, by by Christians also, you know. You you know, you know, sometimes you you get weary, you know, but uh, you know, you got to do what God put on your heart, you know, and you 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 got regardless of how you feel, you got to do it. And uh, it's good, Johnny, that you were blessed by it. You know, uh, I really, I'm really excited about that. Oh yeah, you've been a huge blessing to me. You know, and uh, but uh, anyway, I went off the I went off the topic. Uh, basically, uh, let's get back to what I was saying. Um, um, you, uh, your your view of the rapture is really a after the tribulation, before the wrath of God, like a pre-wrath, but you wouldn't really even call it a rapture. You'd call it a resurrection just before the wrath, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, this is the hardest thing to get to Christians. And, you know, there's a lot of Christians out there who are pre-wrath. I mean, some major people who I respect, like Dr. Chuck Missler. I I think Dr. Chuck, Chuck Missler is one of the best teachers out there, but he's pre-wrath too. And, you know, it's like the Bible says, we all see through a glass darkly. And, um, you know, to me, I believe that I've shown in, in, in my free ebook that my brother and I wrote called Not Appointed to Wrath, when the when the rapture occurs, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, and I, I think what you have to do is you have to deny certain scriptures to be pre-trib. You know, you, you have to deny scriptures uh, that, that, that equate the rapture with the resurrection. And, you know, you ask people, say, well, Aren't we going to be cut up and chained in the twinkling of an eye? Is that not the rapture? Yes. Well, if we're going to be chained, then that's the resurrection, right? Yes. Well, the Bible says there's only two resurrections, one of the just and the unjust. So so how can you have 
you know, a, a, a rapture in the beginning and a rapture later, and you have these tribulation saints who are going to be raptured later. I mean, how does that work? You see, it doesn't right. work. And, and, no. And so, and, and so, you know, you have to separate the word rapture from resurrection. You have to make it an event in and of itself. That was my point. I mean, a lot of people who criticize the rapture, they really just have a problem with that word rapture because it's not in the Bible. Exactly. Exactly. So and what no, we're really looking at is a what we're looking at is is the resurrection, right? Exactly. We're looking at the resurrection, which happens at the seventh trump, which is the last trump, which is the trumpet in the book of Revelation, which is before the wrath of God, which we're not appointed to. And, and I mean, it, to me, it's just so obvious. I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, I, ca I can't convince nobody to see it. Like, like the Lord Jesus said, you have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so, well, for so know. long, for so long, I was pre-trib just because Jack Van Impey, his hair. Have you ever seen that man's hair? It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> How can anybody be wrong with hair so perfect? You know what? I agree with you. I mean, I, I grew up listening to Jack, too, you know. Jack does have perfect hair. <laughs> Tell you that. I'd like to be his hairspray boy, just to stand up to the side and just watch out for wild hairs that poke up now and then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How could somebody like Jack Van Ampey be wrong, though? He's totally pre-trib. Yeah. He, and, it, and, you know, one of, one of my major uh, uh, guys, you know, which is um, uh, uh, the left, I mean, not the left behind, the uh, late great planet Earth. Hal Lindsey. Hal Lindsey. Yeah. Al, now he he's pre-trib, isn't he? He's pre-trib too, and you know, uh, you know, I read his book Late Great Planet Earth, and you know, after reading that, I ended up understanding God's message of salvation and was changed instantly after reading his book. And so Peter Goodgame, Peter Goodgame is pre-trib, and I respect Pete like you wouldn't believe how much I respect Peter Goodgame. Yeah, ex exactly. So, and that's what I'm saying. You have some very intelligent people who who got major insight in God's word who are pre-trib. Now, do I do I say I'm any better, you know, because I have a different view? No. I mean, hey, no. there's a possibility I'm wrong. I don't think so. But, you know, hey, I mean, we all were well, One thing, you know, one thing, the, really the theme of the Iron Show is uh, we don't have my boy Rick, my co-host Rick. He doesn't believe in anything. So we always have these battles. <laughs> no, Rick, you know, Rick, he's my boy and everything. And uh, we, he comes from a very conservative point of view. And uh, I, I'm wrong to say he doesn't believe in anything. He believes in lots of stuff. But he, you know, he doesn't believe in a lot of things uh, of, this, of this wild stuff. And one thing that's important is, like you were saying, uh, almost, you, you almost came to it and I interrupted you, but... We need to come together, whether we disagree on these things. Don't we all need to stay close and be friends? We do. We do. And, you know, what I find is, you know, you end up having within, let's say, churchdom, you have these cliques. And you have, you know, the pre-trib clique, and you got the pre-rat clique, and, and, you know, you got all these different denominational cliques, and, so what we end up doing is not loving each other, not respecting each other. And, and so, you know, when people see us and they see Christians arguing with each other and tearing each other down and, you know. That's a bad know, witness, huh? Yeah, that's a bad witness, you know. And, and I think what we have to do, we have to make an effort 
to love one another. And Amen. not by word, but indeed, because love is an action. You know, love isn't just because I said I love you. I didn't did something for you that's good, that that blessed you. And, you know, when you needed me, I was there to help you, you know, because love seeks not its own. Love is long-suffering, okay? So, you yeah, know, James, James said, what good is it to say, I care about you, I love you, God will take care of you when, when the poor have needs, you know? Exactly. And, and You're you supposed have to give them something. Exactly. You have it within your means to help them, and you don't do it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all the rich Christians that's in this world? Oh, man. If, if all these rich Christians decided to help the poor, they could be helped. Not only that, if the Christians were to wake up, you think this New World Order could take off like it was if they weren't being deceived? No. Laying asleep? There's no way. There's no that's way. That's another thing that you've talked about on, your, on, on one of your shows, that we've got these big, huge-named preachers that are sort of um, – Keeping a lid on their church, kind of controlling them to keep exactly. them blind. Exactly, they're managers. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying that all of them are working for the New World Order and for the occult. I'm not saying that, but there are a few who are. But even by by their own, let's say, self interest, they may end up suppressing the church. They may end up, uh, pro, you know, keeping them from fulfilling their commission. Because, like you were saying, you know, we're all called to do something. And so, you know, if you think it's good enough to go to church and all you do is just sit down and get up and go home and, you know, and that's all you think, you know, being a Christian is, then what have you done? What have you fulfilled? Because I think it's about action. And, and great. Amen. And, you know, we all need to do more. I need to do more. But at the same time, I don't want to be manipulated either. You know, I want to be led of God to do more. You know, so, you know, that's sort of the fine line sometimes because, you know, sometimes we think we may be doing right and we end up doing wrong and, you know, if we're not led by God, so. Yeah, we got to take ourselves out of the equation, you know. Plus, like you were saying, love is an action. You know, Jesus said, you know, I, I, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was freezing and you didn't give me your coat. Exactly. I was sick and I was in prison and you didn't come and visit me. Exactly. And they said, well, when have we done this to you? And Jesus said, whenever you have done this to the lowliest human on earth, you've done it to me. Exactly. You know, so, you know, we need to, you know, when you see somebody on the street, you know, give them money. Uh, you know, you got, you got a couple dollars in your pocket, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you can afford it, you know, because the Bible says it was within your means, you know. I don't, I don't, you know, you might not want to take food out your child's mouth, you know, but if no. God leads you to do it, then do it, you know. But I think you have people, though, who are, have abundant wealth, and they won't even miss $10,000 that, you know, they can give to, to, to help an orphanage, you know. I mean, they wouldn't even miss it, but they don't do anything with it, you know. I mean, and, and you know what else? In a lot of the churches, they can help a lot of people in their churches by supporting their church members' businesses, which would bless the church and bless the people in the church. But a lot of them don't even want to do business with each other. You know what I mean? What sense that makes? I, I just don't get it. We live in a very selfish uh, world right now. Everyone is self-centered. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I feel sorry for all the people that believe in the pre-trib rapture. Uh, because they're not preparing for the tribulation or anything. Those are the ones that's going to get slaughtered. 
you know, it's, it's sad to say, but, you know, it, it's true. Um, but that's why we're here, right? We got to wake them up and we got to do, you know, the Lord's will. And it's not like God not exactly. using people to wake them up. Yep, exactly. So I think what's really important about you, King, is that you're one of the watchmen. You're, like, educating the public on what to look for. I mean, because these people out in the world, you know, when all this stuff comes on, um, if if they've listened to King, you know, like I have for years, they're going to know what to look for and what not to believe, right? Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's the other thing. We have to be careful who we listen to, you know, and because like you probably heard me say on the show, I have to humble myself before God and ask God to guide me and lead me because I could deceive myself. And if you follow me, then you could be deceived following me. And so, you know, you have to ask God, you know, who you should follow and listen to. And, you know, you should do like the Bereans and compare everything they say with Scripture. And if it lines up with Scripture, good. And if it don't, then toss it. Yeah, Paul, that was good. That was noble. That's how you need to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I guess so. So don't just listen to King. Check out what he says, you know. Ask God to, you know, reveal it. Is this true or not, you know. But uh, I really believe that the things you say, you know, are, are really a, you're really a watchman on the wall. And you're uh, out there telling the people, you know, what to look for. And uh, that's really important because you get people in the world and there's a lot of Christians that really, they don't know what to look for, do they? Exactly. And, and you know what gets me? It's bad enough that we have wicked men in the world who's trying to take over the system, who want to kill off a third of the world's population, right? It's bad enough that we have that. It gets even worse when you think of, of the fact that not only do we have men doing these things, you may have angels interacting with humanity. You know, we've all been taught that angels are like ghosts and that they influence your mind and they make you do things that, you know, you shouldn't do, which is true. But it's another thing when you have a being who's at a higher level who can manifest himself as a human and interact with your society and guide and direct your society, who can make plans and build a prison for you, which is a global worldwide prison for you that they plan on putting you in. But it's also not just men. It's angels. And that's why God says we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in heavenly places, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Because we have beings who are interacting, in my opinion, as I mentioned before, like the aliens and they live. There is a systematic alliance between angelic people and the descendants of Adam and some, some traitorous descendants of Adam. I'm going to tell you, that's the way I see it. I, I, I see the spiritual mixing with the with the physical. And if you think about it, when God created things, they were physical things. They may have higher level abilities, but everything God created was physical. Okay? God's the only one who's, who's, who always was, who's a spirit, who's not, you know, flesh. I mean, he became flesh in, in Jesus Christ. But, you know... Everything else was a creation, and everything that was created was physical. So um, I think the world and the church is in for things that we cannot comprehend, things that are so beyond us. You know, it, it, it just that's like the Lord said, how can I talk to you about spiritual things if you cannot even understand natural things? Because by us being natural, we can only associate or, or let's say, 
relate to natural things. So if God is going to speak to us about spiritual things which are not natural, he has to give us examples of the natural. And that's why he says, you know, about sowing and reaping, and he talks about seeds and and, and all of these things to, to show us some of the spiritual things because we wouldn't be able to relate. So he got to compare them to the natural. And that's why he says if you don't know these natural things, that I talk about. How can you understand the spiritual? And so just think about the spiritual coming to the earth, the spiritual manifesting on the earth. And people have no idea what that is. And and we're talking about the revelation of the supernatural that's going to blow people's minds and if possible deceive the very elect. And and so uh, I think we're in some, some serious time. I think we're in for trying times, but I also think we're and for the manifestation of the sons of God, which is the church becoming united, the church uh, repenting and becoming one in belief in who Christ Jesus is, because I think it's no longer going to be gray. For some, it never is gray, but you know it's going to be black and white. You're either going to be on the Antichrist side, or you're going to be on Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua. You're going to be on His side. There's, there's no longer going to be this little fuzzy realm of, you know, uh, I'm a Calvinist and I'm a Baptist and you know, I'm an assemblies of God. It is all that's gonna be gone. You know, it's, it's yeah. Be you're just gonna say, you're just gonna ask somebody, and they're gonna say, "I'm a Christian." That's gonna be good enough, isn't yep. it? Yeah, that's it. It's gonna be good enough. And you know, by saying that, it may cost you something. It may cost you. Your oh life. yeah. You know, but at the same time, what I believe is gonna happen, God is gonna show forth in His church like un like never seen before. You know, I mean, I think you know, like the Lord Jesus said, greater works have you know, will you do because I go to the Father. Now, I think we're going to see that in these last days. God, see, when we see the enemy coming like a flood and we see it coming and nobody else sees it and we get scared and we get nervous and we be like, Lord, where are you? And I think what's going to happen is that the church is going to be different. You know, the church is, I'm, I believe the church is going to manifest the presence of God, the love of God, the because the Lord Jesus says they're going to know you, my disciples, by the love you have one for another. And I think, you know, me, gentlemen, can I say one thing? Yeah. Yeah, we got Big John in here. Uh, he's got a he's got a question comment. I just got a comment, man. It's so refreshing to hear a show like this on Talk Shoe. You guys are good people talking about good things, and I think it's just wonderful. I just wanted to let you know. Hey, you know, this is the Iron Show. Actually, we uh, we recorded on Talk Shoe. But uh, ironshow.com is where you get all our shows. And uh, what I do is I download this. I download this after it's done and mix it up in a multi-track, add the music and produce it, edit it. And so uh, ironshow.com, everybody, you want to go to ironshow.com. This is actually the show. All right. Well, great. I just want to thank you for being here. There's a lot of of shows on talk show that are full of hatred. Yeah, yeah. And thanks for calling in. Yeah, I think it's just great what you guys are doing. Are you Christian? Actually, I'm not. But you actually, you actually like what we're saying. Well, you're talking about good things. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or Buddhist or Jewish or whatever. You're talking about good things, and that's important. You're getting the word out there to be good. Well, that's encouraging. Yeah, I like that. 
Yeah, King is a knowledgeable individual. You'll uh, you'll learn a lot from listening to King. All right, great. But I do have to get out, but I just wanted to give you that comment. Okay, well, thanks for coming in. All right, thank you. Johnny cutting in right here at this point in the conversation we uh, stopped and I asked King uh, where he wanted to go with the conversation you know uh, what do you want to talk about King that's what I asked him and uh, I said hey you want to talk about your book some more and he said yeah let's talk about my book and I wanted to hear more about his book so uh, right here we've got King uh, starting to talk about his book again and that is uh, Ancient Myths and the Bible and it's a great book and uh, you can go download that book I encourage you we can go more into uh, my book if you want. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to have to read it if, if they want to understand the the biblical references uh, to a lot of these things. For uh, and how do we get to your book? Well, they can go to lulu dot com and uh, they can search for ancient myths in the Bible and. They can either download it as a PDF or, you know, they can get the uh, paperback. And, it, you know, it's real cheap to, to download it. I think it's like $5 or something, and the paperback is like 9 something dot com. Yeah. Search for Ancient Myths and the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about, uh, can they, can they, is there a link from uh, Teotihuacan Interactive? Yeah, yeah. If they go to uh, Teotihuacan, um, they can they'll see a link uh, on the right hand side, uh, picture of my book, and a link to Lulu.com. And that'll bring them Great. to the uh, to the book uh, if they go through Teotihuacan. And remember, uh, the end of the world as we know it, interactive. It has an extra I at the end, so it's the acronym of the end of the world as we know it, interactive. And uh, Teotihuacan on uh, Teotihuacan with another I. On yeah. Blog Talk Radio, on oh, yeah, just but type in. There's a number two after that because if you go that. to the Tail Twaki, the regular one, that one stopped because what happened, and I don't know what happened, but Blog Talk for a while has stopped our links. We couldn't do any shows or anything, and then they enabled it again. Well, no, then we went and created a new a new site called Tail Twaki Two. So uh, Tail Twaki Two has the most recent. Show. Right, that's right. Teotihuacan 2, okay. just go to uh, blogtalkradio.com, enter in Teotihuacan 2 in the search box, and it'll take you right to uh, Keith and King's podcast, which is Teotihuacan 2. Okay, well, what we could do is we can talk about the the angel of the abyss, who is the uh, Greek god Apollo. Uh, the Bible refers to him as Apollyon. And uh, Apollyon is a generic uh, misspelling of the word Apollo. And anyone familiar with Greek mythology knows that Apollo was one of the gods that, one of which you really can call the sun god, one of the sun gods, because he rode in a chariot and all these things. And so um, we have the story of Apollo, uh, who is uh, the angel of the abyss. Now, if you do research concerning the mythological characters of both Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology, Sumerian, you start to see that a lot of these gods are the same being. Apollo is Osiris. Osiris really is the other uh, uh, gods like Helios. He, he, he's Apollo. 
it's the same being. And and when you go back, uh, as Peter Goodgame talks about, you know, they end up being Nimrod, right? Right. He was and, the first. Yeah, he was the first. And, he was and the so, first. So what you have, you know, in the beginning it was sort of confusing because you see all these different gods and they have different names and they have different stories, but the stories are similar. But you have a similar theme going through. Uh, and I think what happened is, uh, as cultures uh, interfaced with each other, you know, they took those gods and put their own twist to it. And so uh, a lot of the mythological researchers, or whatever you would call them, I, I call them mythological researchers, uh, people who research mythology, uh, they made the comparisons and showed the comparisons of Osiris and Apollo and a lot of the uh, priests of Egypt and the priests of the Greek pantheons and all of this stuff, they ended up uh, talking about the same being. You know, they had the same attributes. They they both end up being the kings of the underworld. They all they both end up having hordes of of uh, warriors that exist in the underworld that uh, come uh, come to the surface to torment mankind. And so, uh, basically, from the scripture, we see a similar thing. We but the Bible says this is the angel of the abyss, and he has the keys to the abyss, and that the beings in the abyss. Uh, have an angel over them. He's a king. He's the angel of the abyss, and he's called Apollyon or Apollo or Abaddon in Hebrew. And so when you look at that and you take the scriptures for what they say, you say, well, this is exactly what you see in mythology. It's just that the Bible says this is the angel. And so when you start realizing you have similar stories in the Bible that's in Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology, Sumerian mythology, even if you want to go to Buddhism. Buddhism have the story of these beings that live in the earth, you know, in Shambhala and everything. And they they teach mankind and, and, and manipulate mankind from behind the scenes. Every culture has the same story, just like every culture has the same story of the great flood. You have this over and over. I mean, can this be a coincidence? I mean, all around the world, you have similar stories. You have similar stories about the flood, similar stories about gods coming down and having sex with women. You have Zeus coming down and having sex with, um, what's her name, Persephone? or I can't remember. But uh, Sumerian gods, the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki, exactly. Same story, different twist, but it's the same story. One thing that's really important that you're saying is that it's the same Entity. Yeah, it's the same. It's one guy. Yep. It's one bad guy, right? Exactly. It's one bad guy and one bad group of bad guys. Because what I think is is that the the pantheon of gods are the fallen angels. Now, the question is, were some of the Nephilim uh, considered gods also? Because we know some of them were demigods, right? Considered demigods. And so because we know they were half angelic, half human. Now, I don't know if uh, the offspring of some of the uh, giants ended up being female giants. I don't know. Maybe they were. Well, there's, had... there's stories of them uh, in American Indian. American Indian stories says lots of female giants. Yeah, so so if there's female giants, then you end up having this, this where you get the goddesses and, and, and the gods, you know, because, uh, like, even Hercules end up, 
becoming a guy, right? Because he was right. a ton of Zeus and, you know, all this stuff. And, and so what we have is, is, is all these similar stories from culture to culture to culture. And your question is, is it all just a big comic book story? Is is the whole world talking about Superman? You know, I mean, was it just a fictionalized account from every culture? And I would have to say it's too big to be just a, a comic book story. Okay, so now the question is, if it's real, where are these beings today? You know, I'm of the opinion that they're inside the earth, and some of them exist outside of the earth. You know, I believe the angels exist outside the earth and are cast down on the earth sometime in the future. But uh, that the Nephilim, I believe the Nephilim still exists. I believe, I believe the Nephilim are the ones who are interacting with humanity on a daily basis, giving the marching orders to the elite aristocracy of Adam and Eve. And so... Uh, what we end up having the aristocracy of Adam and Eve. What is that exactly? I mean, could you dig that take okay, that the, apart? The, what I mean by that is that you have people like the Queen of England, who okay, who's a descendant of Adam and Eve. They and you're talking about also the the rich families. Yeah, are you talking family. about them? Exactly, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. They all are descendants of Adam, probably. And so they have aligned themselves with the fallen. And so I believe that that's why the world is always in the condition that it's in, and they've always been creating wars because they're doing the will of their father, who's the devil. And so I believe that what you have is that on earth you have this descendants of Adam and Eve who are like sheep. The Lord says we're sheep. And so the question is, who's your shepherd? Now, either you're going to follow Jesus or you're going to follow the devil. You're going to follow somebody because you don't know anything, you know. I mean, they've been around, the, the fallen angels and the Nephilim, the Nephilim have been around probably at least a few thousand, thousand years. The angels have been around from the beginning. We humans only been around at max 120 years. So those who are not part of the elite establishment, like I mentioned before, don't know anything. And so I believe what happened is that we, we've been corralled, we've been conditioned and manipulated uh, to to turn against God, and that's why they've been conditioning us and taking God out of school and the mention of, of Jesus out of school and prayer out of school because they're conditioning us for the arrival of the false Messiah who who is going to be the antithesis of Jesus. Now, he's going to come pe- preaching peace and security. Okay, the Bible says he's going to deceive them by saying peace and safety. The one thing that's really important for people to know, I mean, the Antichrist, when he comes on, he's not going to be a monster. He's going to be a good guy. Yes. Well, you know, people are going to love him. Exactly. He's going to be like Obama. Now, you know, a lot of people think Obama's the Antichrist. I don't think so. But I, I voted gonna... for Obama. I hate yeah. you to tell you. You know, look. <laughs> it's, it's Obama. I love the guy. I love the guy. You know, I don't have a problem with him for one No, reason. I know. He's a mess. He's a mess, but I just liked him. Yeah, let me tell you why I don't have a problem with Obama. Because you either was going to get another George Bush, who I think is worse than Obama. Oh, yeah. Or you was going to get Obama. I mean, but they all yeah. work for the establishment. So That's nothing's going to change. You know, so so the question is, you know, who do you want so to vote So it's okay to vote for Obama. Is that what you're telling me? What's that? It was okay for me to vote for Obama then. 
Well, I mean, you do what you let. I didn't vote at all. You see, well, I didn't something... vote. I just could not vote. I couldn't vote. I didn't vote. Don't tell my dad. You know, uh, Obama with his czars, it reminds me of Hitler. He had czars. And also, Hitler did class for clunkers. And I noticed a lot of similarities with Obama. The and same you know, thing that he's doing as Hitler did. I'm going to tell you this. There are a ton of signs that point to Obama being the Antichrist. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah there, there really are. I've been doing some research for the last couple of years. I've been a Christian eschatologist for 19 years. And for the last two years, I've been uh, researching um, the possibility of a uh, Islamic Antichrist, and I've been uh, and I, it goes all the way back. I went all the way back to um, the Old Testament, where you know, back to uh, Abraham, Abraham's two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, and I believe that it started from there, uh, but. Anyways, Obama, he, uh, what I, one thing I do know for sure, I do know for sure that he's a, a Muslim because of um, the comment he made when he was talking to Stephanopoulos, and uh, he he said, my Muslim faith. Yeah. How yeah. can you make a mistake like that if you're a Christian? Yeah, he, yeah but King has pointed out that he's kind of everything. He's a Muslim, but King said he's, you know, he's a Christian, too. And Talk about that Jew. a little bit, King. And he's a Jew. And he's a Jew, that's right. Yeah. Talk about Obama a little bit, King. <laughs> well, you know, if if you look at a lot of this, this is my opinion about Obama. I think Obama is the fall guy. I think he is the fake Antichrist so that the real Antichrist who pretends to be Jesus come deliver the world from him because if you look at the New World Order, they they've always hated black people, right? They they want to wipe us out, you know. They 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 do uh, eugenics and all these things. But aren't they friends with the Boule though? Well, here's the thing: the Boule are the managers of the black people. Now they work for the elite. Okay, so so aren't they friends at the top level? Well, if, if you want to call them friends, it's like the people who uh, work for the mafia, and yeah. you know the mafia decides, you know what? You then made one too many mistakes. You done. Boom. Yeah. You know, it's that so type of relationship. they're just using the boule. You think they're just using the boule, maybe? Yeah, exactly. The, the, it, here, here's the thing. It's, it's the house slave and the field slave. Okay. Now the house slave get to go into the house of, of, of the of the slave master, and you know he may even get to eat from the table of the slave master, but he's still a slave. Now the field master don't know. I mean, the field slave don't know what's going on in the master's house. He's never been in the master's house. Never eaten. Never have eaten from the master's uh, table. And so, so they're both slaves. And the master looks at both of them as being slaves. Now the one that's in his in the in the master's house has a little more privileges. But in the end, you're nothing but a slave, and you're gonna do what I say, and and, and I'm gonna make you do what I say. And, and that's just the relationship that's there. So it's the same relationship with the boule. The boule has they have money, uh, they have influence, but they're still just a slave. And so, um, so how do you see Obama though fitting as the false antichrist? Uh, could you kind of map that out a tiny bit? Yeah, what I think is, um, and, and there are a lot of signs, uh, but I think what's going to happen is that as the economy fails, because remember George Bush destroyed the economy. 
Now here comes this black man who's president who comes to take over an economy that's spiraling down into the tanks. And, you know, there's no no real effort to fix the economy. So not only that, Israel is poised to attack Iran. So not only do we have a failing economy, we have an administration that, that came in and said we're going to do away with uh, Guantanamo and left Guantanamo in place and left all the Bush people in place. So what we're going to end up having, in my opinion, is a war and the collapse of the U.S. Uh, economic system. And you, you're going to end up having with that a uh, 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 civil war in the United States. And so then you, America is going to be in such a chaotic state that the, new, the, the world community is going to have to come to our rescue, and it may be led by the Antichrist. And so he's going to come in and deliver us once again from another Hitler, like the Allies did during World War II. So you're and saying Obama is is that Hitler? Yeah, I, I believe. But so you're Hitler. saying that really what he's going to do, he's not really going to be like this big bad guy. He's just going to be a guy who keeps failing. Is that what you're saying? I believe he's going to keep failing, and I believe that the the his administration is going to uh, implement a lot of the Nazi policies. Uh, in terms, you know, they're going to take away our civil rights. They're going to try to take away our guns. They're going to try to force us to take vaccines. And uh, people are going to rebel. And when people rebel, there's going to be civil war. And once there's civil war, uh, the the American allies, uh, possibly led by the Antichrist or some other figure that's going to lead to the Antichrist, is going to come in to save the day. And so when the when the the rider on the white horse comes in and say, I'm coming to save you from the Antichrist, and I think we, 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 we're we no longer going to have this chaos. We're no longer going to have Israel fighting the Palestinians. We're going to turn all our weapons over to the United Nations, uh, and, and we're going to lock all of these New World Order guys up. We're going to lock up the, the, the uh, people who want to kill off a third of the world's population because we know it's true, and, and the ones who did 911 and knocked down the towers, we're going to lock them up too not knowing that the ones who are locking these guys up are the same people who put them in place. And so what you end up having is a people so so heartfelt, heartfeltly grateful because they, they've taken away the oppressor that uh, they're going to give their power over to him and say, man, we have freedom again. And look, now new technologies are out and we have free technology and free energy and this is the utopia and this is the age of Aquarius. And so... People are going to fall for that and, and, and be deceived. That That's how I think it's going to play out. Well, and, and the Christians... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Sus. Uh, and, I, and I was under the impression that uh, Obama is part of the elite, too, because Kissinger uh, made a comment that uh, Obama is primed to create a new world order. And you're correct. He is. But it's like... Uh, who was it? I think it was Albert Pike who says of uh, Freemasonry, you have the higher level degrees that know the truth of the symbols and the secrets, but the lower level degrees think they know, but they don't know. They've been lied to. Okay, so the lower level degrees think they're doing something good, okay, but they're being manipulated. And it's the same way with Obama. He's part of the elite. But he's being manipulated because the ones at the top have decided that he's going to be, you know, probably a sacrificial offering or something. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's like um, it's like you know, Star Star Wars and 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 the um, the the Emperor. You know, 
you might be a Sith Lord. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the guy who used to play the vampire. You know who I'm talking about. So just like with him, right, he was working for uh, the Dark Lord, right, who was the, the, the Dark Sith. But he, don't, he didn't know that he was being used by the Dark Lord to control both sides. And so well, he had his robot army uh, fighting, uh, which I forgot what they were called. Um, I forgot the name of that group he was with. It, it was like uh, some commerce type group or whatever. But anyway, he was in charge of them, and they were trying to take over the Federation. And the Dark Lord was taking over the Federation from within, the Dark Sith. He was taking it over from within. So he turned on his own man. He allowed his own man to be destroyed and and the figure of oppression was uh, that guy, the uh, the vampire guy. I can't remember his name, but anyway, he was the he was the point bad man. He was the leader of the resistance, but he was controlled by the same person who was controlling the other side. And so when they when they came in, uh, uh, the the let, let's refer to the dark Sith Lord as the Antichrist. Okay. When when he came, he he got he got the uh, Jedi's to get the clone the clone uh, army that was already pre prepared for this time to come and overthrow and 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 suppress and destroy the robot army. Uh, and so what ends up happening is he ends up controlling both sides. He ends up controlling the Federation. He ends up controlling the Trade Guild. I think it's something like that. The Trade Guild. So uh, basically, it was a dialectic. He was manipulating both sides, and he rose to rose to power on the side of good, and uh, he ended up controlling the whole thing. And that's how you end up having the empire. And so uh, that's why you end up having uh, 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 the rebel Jedi's uh, fighting against the empire uh, in Star Wars and Empire Strike Back. So it's that dialectic. Uh, that was being played that will be played on us, I believe. And um, uh, the same thing is going to happen. The Antichrist is going to be the one at the top offering peace, and he's going to end up ruling both sides. So what we really have to look for is uh, a good guy coming in for the rescue, and, you know, you people out there, watch for that, because that's going to be the bad guy. It's the good guy that comes in and really saves the whole thing. And like you were saying, King, we really have to understand that we're being herded like sheep and pitted against each other. That's the meaning of the dialectic, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So, and isn't it kind of a miracle that Jesus has, uh, you know, has enlightened and taken the the haze off the eyes of, uh, you know, software programmers and longshoremen, common people who you know, are ready and can see this coming and, you know, understand that we're just being herded like sheep and to to really watch out for the main bad guy. And really, more important of all is to just stay as close as you can to Jesus, right? Exactly. And, you know, isn't it interesting? I think most of us, when we're young, we want to be rich. Yeah. And now, I don't want to be rich unless God wants me to be rich because, you know, the rich end up being deceived. They They seek after money and riches and... And and really, the best thing to know is the truth, you know, because with the truth, yeah. you can make decisions. If you're lied to and deceived, you cannot even make a conscious choice, you know. So You're I grasping prefer- at straws. Exactly. You're grasping at straws. So it's good to know the truth. Now, if God want to bless us, I'll be happy to be blessed, just like he blessed, you know, 
David and everyone else. But, you know, at the same time, I'm not going to seek after him, but seek first the kingdom because that's the most important thing. You know what, David, you know, David, when he was like, when he stripped down to his underwear and was like dancing in front of the Lord, yeah. you know what I take that to mean? I take that to mean that the Lord needs strippers. <laughs> oh, you you were listening to my show, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can tell I'm a fan. Some of the, I, some of your shows I could almost repeat like a <laughs> like a old Star Trek episode. You know how you talk along with the lines. <laughs> yeah. I, I can you, tell you really listen to the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> Does the Lord want strippers, King? <laughs> well, you know what He wants strippers to repent and to follow. Right. Him. Yeah. He does. You know. <laughs> But I, I, you know, I, I think when you're teaching people, you know, getting them excited about some catchphrase isn't going to do you anything. That's why the Lord says, you know, if you love me, feed my sheep. Because if you understand His word, then you can make decisions for Him. You know, if you don't understand, then you can be deceived. So you got to just the basic thing is you just got to stay close to Jesus, close That's as you it. can, right? And be obedient. And ask Absolutely. for His will. You know exactly. what? What do you want? Exactly, exactly. Because you know what I find today. Uh, you know, I, I've uh, you know been an ordained minister, and I've had you know certain ministers I've worked with, and I know a lot of people who know the word a lot, and uh, you know I've seen them do things that people in the world who don't know Jesus probably wouldn't do sometimes, and you know, and like you know they'll dog out their families and their wives and have affairs and and, and preach Jesus at the same time. I'm like. You know, how how are you going to treat your wife like that and leave her for another woman and do all these things to her, and, and, and you say you love Jesus? You know, I'm like, I, I got a problem with that. I, it's one thing to fall. It's another thing, you know, it's one thing to slip up and be tempted and you fall and get up and repent and move on. It's another That's thing right. to Jesus understands. Down. Jesus understands that. Yeah. He's going to let you slide on that. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we, we're, we're humans, you know, but... And, you know, and, and the thing is, it's like like I say, you know, you know, Lord have mercy upon me because you know it could happen to me, but I'm not looking to do it. No, you know, <laughs> no, no, nobody's perfect though. I mean, you know, that's the thing. The thing is, is just the thing that I think is that the closer you get to Jesus, the less you're gonna wanna, the less you're gonna wanna, you know, slip up and sin. Exactly, exactly. You don't want to sin. No. You know? Sometimes we ask our guests to maybe give a little thirty-second reach out to the sinners. Do you feel like do you feel like doing that? Sure. You know, I wanna I wanna say to everyone out there who don't know the Lord that you know God is good. You know, it is beyond your imagination how good He is. You know, He wants us to be His children. Can Can you imagine the King of the Universe wanting you to be His child? And He says, "How will He not freely give you all things?" Right. I mean, you know, just think of the stories of, of the little orphan guy who, who ended up being adopted by the king in, in those stories and ended up becoming a prince. You know, this is what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about, uh, like the scriptures say, the guy who sold everything in the field to, to, to get that one precious jewel. That's what you have. You have an opportunity to be a child of the king, a child of the most high God who will freely give you all things because he gave you his only begotten son who is the most valuable of anything ever. How can you deny that? You know, and the thing is, don't deny 
his word. You know, you have to be obedient. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And if you fall, get back up and try not to do that same thing again. Yes, we fall short. You know, there's a reason why Paul said, you know, I, I do the things that I would not, but it's no longer I who sin, but sin that dwells within me. But that don't mean you're going to pursue sin. You know, you, you're not going to live in a sinful lifestyle. It's Like I said before, it's one thing to slip up. It's another thing to lay down. And so, you know, what I ask for you, to, you know, if you don't know Christ, why don't you ask him? I, I have friends, right, Muslims, you know, all different kind of uh, friends. And, and these guys are some of the most honorable people I ever met, even more so than some of these Christians out here who claim to be Christians. You know, some of these Muslim guys have honor like a Christian is supposed to have. And and what I what I say to you is ask the Lord Jesus, ask him to reveal himself to you. You know, that's one thing I could never understand when when I would talk to people. I say, you know what? All you have to do is with a sincere heart, ask Jesus to reveal himself. You may not know he's God, but if you sincerely want to know if he's God, why don't you ask him? Or do you just want to live your life for you? You see, there's a seekers of truth who just want to know the truth, and they're going to follow truth regardless. I don't care what religion, what race they are, they want to know truth. And I believe that God is going to reveal truth to those who wants to know, and Jesus is truth. Okay, his word is truth. But you're not going to know that unless you ask him. So I'm in, not, if I'm in the world, if I'm in the world, you know, and I'm not a Christian, what do I do? Where do I start, King? If you're not a Christian, ask Jesus. Say, Lord, whoever you may be, some say you Jesus. If you're Jesus, will you please reveal yourself to me because I want to follow you, God, because I don't know. I know that I've been brought into this world, and I don't know anything. I thought I knew something, but I know I don't know anything. If you're a God, will you please reveal yourself to me? Okay, and, and and put it in God's hands to reveal it to you. You can't say that, you know, well, you know, Jesus, I asked you and I didn't re- you didn't reveal yourself to me because that ain't going to happen, I, I don't believe, if you ask him with a true, truth, heart, truthful heart. But if you, No, he's going to show you he's real. Exactly, you know. But if you don't ask him, then he may not show himself to you. But guess what? He just may because he is sovereign. He just yeah, he he beat him up and struck him blind. Exactly. So he can decide to <laughs> stricken you blind and, and, and pull you out of darkness into his light. But that doesn't happen to everybody. No, okay, you, so, you better take it upon your upon yourself to ask Jesus, you know, come into my come into my heart and exactly. I believe in you. I believe you're God. Exactly. And and when you do that, make sure you obey. Okay, and make sure you ask him with a true heart of repentance because otherwise it's just words. And you might not see a manifestation of change. But if you if you repent with a true, sincere heart, you know, like the guy in the Bible who says, Lord, have mercy on me, for I'm a wretched sinner. You know, he didn't want left justified. That's what you have to do. And God will reveal himself to you, I guarantee you. You know what I say every night before I go to sleep? I just say, God, please have mercy on me. Jesus, Amen. please have mercy on me. Amen. Amen. Because we all need mercy. I need mercy. That's for sure. Because, you know, we all are sinners. But it's by his grace we are saved through his shed blood. Okay? And we rely on Jesus. That's how we enter the kingdom, through him. Because he's the path. Okay? He's the way to the Father. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ. Don't believe in other New Age stuff. There is no other way but through the one who paid the price for sin. On the USA Network, uh, that woman comes on and she says, I believe in all paths to God. 
We don't agree with that, do we, King? We don't agree with that at all. That is called the wide path, which many are on that leads to destruction. Straight and narrow is the path that leads to eternal life, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the only way. There is. is no other way, right? Exactly. And if you think about it, give it a little thought that Jesus can only be the only way because he paid the price for sin, which is our sickness, which is why we have debt, murder, de- debt, destruction, chaos, okay, because of sin. And Jesus paid the price for this disease that we have. Now, if you go try to get a, a cure from somebody else who, who who isn't a cure, how are you going to be healed? If If you have you know, some sick cancer, and I have a cure for all cancers, but you go to the guy next door who has the fake cure, you're not going to be healed, okay? You go to Jesus, he has the cure. He has the real cure for the disease called sin. And he's the only one. Every, anybody else is a fake. There's only, if you think about absolute truth and what is truth and what is the way, if you think about that logically, there must be only one way because exactly. truth, the absolute truth is there's only one answer, right? Exactly. There's only one truth. There is a truth. Right. One, not many truths. There's the truth. And that's Jesus. All right, man. King, it's just been, it has been so good hanging out with you. I just, you know, I list, I've been listening to you for, what, two and a half years in the dark, isolated. You've been that voice in the darkness. And, you know, it's so wonderful to listen to you. But talking to you, that's like 30 times better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Johnny, for having me on, man. It's been great. I, I like your spirit, man. I just love it. You're a great guy. I love it. Tell Rick I missed him on the show. You ready? Yes. One, two, three, goodbye. Okay, ready. Okay. One. Okay. One. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey. Hey, King. Hey, Johnny. I got to go, man. What's up?